0: Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, you, you seem especially uh this episode.
1: <laughs> I got a little extra bounce in my step you today. Do. You do. I, you know what's funny about that is I really don't because <laughs> I'm nursing an injury right now. <laughs> yes. As I've You've been, got the
0: pickleball injury oh, still the pickleball there. Injury. Oh, and I'm still man.
1: teasing. There is pickleball news coming. Yes. Uh, coming soon, yes. we, we oh, had man. some uh, exciting news dealing with the pickleball <laughs> uh, that happened earlier today. I can't wait to start talking about this.
0: It's going to be so cool, this whole
1: new thing. It, <laughs> it's a whole new world, as we say.
0: It really is. It really and, is. Uh,
1: you know, we're pr- probably going to need uh, a little bit of. PR marketing support for this new venture I might be getting I,
0: into. I bet you are because this thing, I, I I think it can be huge. What you're talking about, like, I know we're super teasing this. Like we're, we're worse than I was talking about Ryan Seacrest in one of our podcasts, right? How he always does his whole delay thing. And uh, he did that back when I was working with him, uh, would would delay that. Um, well, that's his thing. That's his shtick. That is his thing. That is his thing. He never did that in person though. It would have been funny if he would have done that, like <laughs> at dinner ordering, you know? Uh, you know, I think what I'm going to have, I- I'll tell you after this.
1: And <laughs> the yeah, then he goes to the restroom and comes back and then <laughs> yeah, exactly. the waiter has to wait for him to order. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man. That's a, that's yeah, a funny we, bit. I, I'm going to
1: probably need a little advice. You are.
0: Advice. You are, yes. And if only, we, if only we had a guest that could help us with that, right? But we do. Oh, man, Greg, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting stuff up for you here. <laughs> you usually slam dunk it for me, so I'm, I'm, I'm giving we, it to you here.
1: We do. We have the perfect guest for this. Uh, we have the founder of Krish Media Marketing,
2: Naresh Visa, with us today. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. I, I love the intro. I'm, and I'm here to help you out. I'm not charging. Oh,
0: that's beautiful. All right. This is perfect, Greg. You got to get all the advice in right now.
2: We, well, we,
1: I know. I know. Okay. Well, let's, let's ask some questions. Well, first of all, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell us about your company.
2: So I'm a I live in Tampa, Florida. Stay at home dad to two young Children, also the founder and CEO of Krish Media and Marketing. I'm also a real estate investor and real estate investment coach. So, uh, do that as well. Now, Krish Media and Marketing was my bread and butter. It still is my bread and butter. Got started in 2013. So, we're coming up on 10 years. Can't even believe it. 10 awesome. years when I got started. Yes, uh, in Baltimore, Maryland. That's where I was living at the time. I was working at the largest financial. Marketing company in the world, if you want to call them that, financial publishing, financial marketing. They taught me everything that I needed to know about the business, about online and digital marketing. My background was not in marketing. Uh, I went. I had a, I have an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree, mostly in uh, like business, finance, accounting, as well as uh, journalism, public communications, mm. broadcast, and digital. So worked at places or, or was either a contract worker or worked at uh, financial radio stations, did uh, behind the scenes produ- production, in front of the camera, anchoring, broadcast type of stuff, newspaper, magazine, you name it. So I did a lot of writing, a lot of reporting, speaking, being in front of a camera, uh, went to business school for my master's, worked on Wall Street for a little bit was an equities and a financial analyst first and an equities analyst and then and then worked at this financial marketing company like I brought up earlier in Baltimore and that's where the light bulb went off and I knew that if I ever left the corporate world that I could strike out on my own what does that mean strike out on your own it means just being able to to sustain myself being able to make my own money Without being dependent on an employer, getting a paycheck every two weeks. So it comes with its pros. It comes with its cons. Yeah. I was in my <laughs> mid twenties when I started doing that. So that what that made things certainly a lot easier, because I was not a stay-at-home dad. I didn't have a, a, a girlfriend or a wife or two children or a mortgage or anything like that. And uh, it's been a really, really wild ride, fun experience. It's taken me all around the world. It's gotten me. Like I said, just amazing experience. I did write a book in, it was a while ago. It was out coming up on set, actually exactly seven years ago, nice. 50 Shades of Marketing. Uh, I published it. Uh, it's 50 Shades of Marketing, Whip Your Business into Shape and Dominate Your Competition. It's a primer on online and digital. So everything you need to know about online and digital marketing. It has a ton of chapters. I mean, I'm going through the table of contents right now, and there are 28 chapters and just a lot of marketing principles that Any handcuffs in this book? Just to- <laughs> there there could be. There are some rep- <laughs> red rooms, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely references to the red rooms. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You got to have that in there, right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) You know what? I don't know if we've ever asked this question before, but going from working for somebody else, going like just to, to do it on your own, like what was that decision-making process like for you? Just describe that a little for us.
2: Well, it's actually a pretty simple answer. I, started a side business so I was working for many different places throughout all those places I said you know Wall Street and Bulge bracket banks um, the financial marketing company even CNN radio etc I had a side and it, I wouldn't even call it a business because I didn't incorporate it it was just like a side hustle to make some mm-hmm. some extra dollars that's really what it was so I was already making money on my own without like unemployed, I had many different, not many, I had only a couple of clients at the time. And then uh, when I was working full time, that side business started growing. So it was an easy transition to go from working at a company to working for myself. Because when I left my full time job, it's like I gave myself within a month or two, a 20 to 25% raise. And I was nice. became fully remote working from home, basically mm. being my own boss. You're never going to be your own boss because you always have stakeholders or clients or customers who you have to make happy. So they all become your bosses, but it's still way better than having a boss who's constantly breathing down her neck.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and when you put in your notice at that company, did you already have like a 99% surety that you're going to have that financial stability? uh just going on your own
2: uh so not 99% but uh it was i had a pretty strong basically when i knew that i was building up my clientele and then when i got my first like really really big client then i knew okay i'm good for the next year because okay. it was a one year contract yeah, so nice. i knew okay i i know i'm good for the next year and people said oh well, what if something happens after the next year what are you going to do? Well, I said, well, I'm not stopping at one. I'm going to, I'm adding a second and a third and a fourth. And that's right. what I did. And did some clients leave? Yes, they did. But that's how you, that, that's part of the hustle. Um, that's part of the do it yourself hustle that you just, in, in any business, you don't just stop with one. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of independent consultants make. It's they get like one big client and they say, "All right, this is like kind of like my job, except I'm independent." And then they lose that client, and then they're basically screwed. Like they're forced and they're starting pioneers. from scratch again.
1: Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's awful. Mm-hmm. So tell tell us a little bit more about Krish Media Marketing. What what uh, what's your service offering?
2: It's an online and digital marketing agency. We do anything and everything online and digital from affiliate marketing, copywriting, web design, uh really any type of design, ebook publishing, audiobook publishing, anything that's that's online or digital with the exception of maybe mobile app development or just app development in general. Uh, we we do. So that's a, that's a quick overview of the services that we offer. So let's let's
0: get into some of those cuz everybody now has to deal with this, right? And I say deal with it because it's a stressor for a lot of companies out there. I mean it's it's no longer the the days of like okay, I'm going to name my company A A A A A Roofing and be first on the list of the yellow pages, right? It's <laughs> like you actually have to optimize and figure out like okay, my business name Should, you know, should it have keywords in it? (laughs) Like, should, like all of these different decisions that you now have to make and have some sort of knowledge in, at what point do do you tell clients like, it's, you know what, this is your time. This is when you need to seek professional help for this. You, You can't do it on your own anymore.
2: Yeah, well, first off, you could be a good business person, but you may not necessarily be a good marketer. And especially when it comes to online and digital marketing, it's a completely different ballgame. I, I remember 20 years ago, somebody telling me, oh, marketing is just taking someone out for lunch. That's marketing. <laughs> and that's not marketing anymore. People don't want to be taken to lunch. They want to be sold online. They want to see something online and, and feel like they have to buy something. That, that's, that's the sign of a good marketer today. So the, the first thing, I mean, just to be super basic, because I give a lot of these lectures on you know, important marketing concepts, the first thing that I would recommend, or that, that every business must have, whether you're a lawyer, like a single person lawyer, or a CPA firm, the first thing is you must have a website. And you'll be surprised at how many businesses don't even have a simple website. That's so crucial for what you brought up, search engine optimization, for people finding you online, for people finding you locally, if they type in a zip code, for example, or if they type in a city, to build credibility so it looks more legitimate that you're a real business if you do have a website, rather than just going through referral or word of mouth. That's That's really step number one. In 50 Shades of Marketing, my book goes through the nitty gritty, some very complex marketing strategies that go beyond just building a simple website. So I'd be I'd love to talk about some of those strategies today or some of those concepts today. But uh, the other thing that I want to stress is, okay, you create a website next what's important. And I would say it's capturing leads i see too many businesses make this mistake of not actually capturing their leads it's just oh you know we get traffic and we get inquiries and you know whoever signs up signs up or whoever becomes our client becomes our client and there's no follow-up there's no formal Mm. system and that to me is incredibly important incredibly important because when you're capturing leads now you're building up a book of business who you can form a relationship with, and without those leads, you can't form those relationships. Right. The sales funnel is a long-term process. It's not something that's done overnight.
0: Yeah, you know it, that. All of that is like, I, I mean, we could we could probably. How how much time do you have? Because I think we could spend several hours talking about all of these things. I well,
2: mean, that's it's why like, I wrote fifty seeds of marketing. Uh,
0: Yeah, well, that's why it has 28 chapters, not just one. I mean, there's there's so much stuff to think about. And you know what? We're just on the tip of the iceberg here. There's so much more to talk about and we'll continue the conversation. We're going to take a short break here and we'll be right back with more DIY for Business. Thanks for listening to DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network and ElectroCast Media, if you haven't done so already. We tell you like every week, so I'm sure you've done it at some point here. Go over to ElectroCast.com. It's uh, it's SEO'd. Uh, it's, it's got some call to actions on there. <laughs>
1: So it's trying to get you to listen to podcasts. And then Uh, Greg saying, please subscribe and rate us five stars.
0: Uh, Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, (laughs) we've got a blinking Greg. We're bringing back the blink tag. Okay. Um, Okay. So, uh, let's, let's get into call to actions a little bit here. Uh, you, you, you sort of, you know, talking about getting leads. Well, you know, getting people to your website is one thing, getting to actually do something is, is quite another thing, right? Like getting them to, whether if you can get some contact information, right? Just an email address, something now, of course there's the pixeling them and all that fun stuff, but let's, let's talk about actually getting some contact information, like converting this to, you know, uh, we're talking several different kinds of businesses here. So it's going to be different for everyone, but, Let's talk about that. Like I've seen so many websites. And in fact, I looked at one just earlier today that had zero call to action. (laughs) It was, it was a website. They're trying to schedule people onto their books and they have no online scheduling, zero online scheduling. All they had was a contact us page where the phone number was. Like that was the only way to book an appointment with these people. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, it just it's frustrating to me to see a website like that uh what types of call to actions do businesses need on their website what are we trying to like let's let's get into that a little bit i know this is a huge subject but let's let's talk call to actions on on uh, websites
2: yeah well it really depends on the type of business that we're talking about here are we yeah, trying yeah. to sell a like a product online or are we like a, a CPA company that is doing people's taxes? It really just completely depends on on, on the type of business, like I said. And so, uh, in my book, I talk about this this very topic, you know, call to actions, for example. And the important thing is, you want a call to action. Um, if you are that CPA business, you you'll be so surprised at how many people. Don't even have a simple like contact us a link yeah. or a tab. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're going through this website and you're like, "Oh, it's interesting. I want to you know talk to somebody or I want to get in touch with the company." And they don't even have like a contact form. They don't have an email address. They don't have a phone number. They have nothing. Now, I know how to do a little more investigation and find that information because I'm a marketer. But your average person isn't going to spend yeah. the extra two minutes mm-hmm. to go on whois.com or see if they have a YouTube channel and find an email address that way or look at their social mm-hmm. media and try to find an email there. I mean, it's what's the of-
1: average of somebody spends on a website, right? 30 seconds or so. If they don't see what they need, they're off, right?
2: Exactly. You're absolutely right. So, yeah. so that's why you want to get it right. You, you certainly want to get it right uh, the first time around.
0: Yeah. Then I, then I see people, the other side of it, as I see people doing too much where I see these forms and they're asking for so much information that there's no way I'm going to like, really, I got to fill oh, wow. out 54, like 50 required fields in order to contact this company. Like, this is ridiculous. They I don't, don't they don't need
1: a blood type. So why are they asking? For <laughs> yeah, it? I mean, exactly. You know?
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, th- those kind of drive me crazy too. Like what, what's the, what's your advice in general? And, and, you know, we're talking everything from a. I don't know, from a dentist to a guy building a fence to a mechanic to, you know, like a CPA, like you're saying, like it could be all over the place, but what's your general advice uh, for how much information you should be requesting before you even speak to somebody?
2: Well, the important thing is a first name, an email address, and a phone number. And again, it depends on the business. I actually only ask for email addresses for a lot of my clients and for myself, but for other businesses who are going to be doing outbound calls You definitely want the first name and you want the phone number as well. So again, it it completely depends on the business. If you're just looking to shoot out a bunch of emails, develop a relationship through email marketing, then all you need is an email address. And that's super simple. You can have some kind of a lead back date, and take care of things that way. So that's not an issue. Uh, Let's say you're a real estate agent and you're looking to prospect. Well, you're going to want phone numbers you're gonna want uh, even home addresses because you might might want to send some mailers. You're gonna want uh, definitely the first name and the last name as well. So it again, it just completely de- depends on on the business that we're talking about here.
1: Let's talk a little bit about design because in you know my personal uh, company's website, you know the majority of the users are using a mobile device and to, uh, to to use our site. And my big pet peeve is that businesses design their sites, you know, based on a laptop or desktop, and they're not, you know, mobile, uh, mobile friendly. And when all of a sudden they look out on their phone, everybody's scrolling, they're getting lost, they get frustrated. They're, you know, like I said, 30 seconds, they're out, right? So how do you recommend people doing their, you know, new layouts so it works dynamically both with... Uh, mobile as well as uh, desktop
2: laptops. So mobile has certainly become the primary way that people are are browsing. That people are consuming information. There, there's no doubt about that. That's that's a given. So um, so many websites nowadays, like these these website templates, like WordPress, strikingly et cetera, they already come mobile optimized. So you don't even need to worry about doing anything additional to optimize your web page or your website. So if you are just someone looking to start a simple business or a simple website, I do recommend you know a Wix or a, a WordPress or a Strikingly and, and just go through them. It's pretty simple. You don't need to know how to code or anything. It's self-explanatory if you're decent at using computers or the internet and it'll automatically come mobile optimized.
0: Yeah, that's, it's so key because I see like, you know, uh, um, like kids soccer game or whatever, right? Like people are doing business on their phones there, you know, and, and I think that like, it, it, it's it's like, I mean, how much mo- mobile traffic now, you know I mean? Mobile has surpassed desktop. So you, you really have to have a, a beautiful website. At, w- at what point do you need an app do you think like uh, for a general business do you think that an app is a is a good spend and i know you got you said you don't do apps so i, I, I maybe uh, <laughs> maybe going to get an answer here that uh, is like oh no don't do an app but <laughs> what's what's your take on that
2: so i have a chapter in my book called why mobile apps for small businesses are not proven marketing vehicles and this is this is a subchapter Uh, within the book that is called why mobile is the future of marketing. And remember this book was, was written in 2015. I think that that prediction has certainly Mm -hmm. come true. Um, Back then in 2014, 2015, mobile marketing was not proven, but what I said when I published this book in 2015 was it will be proven. And, uh, people will start buying lots of stuff on their phones and that people will start consuming a lot more information on their phones. Back then, 2014, 2015, the PC, the laptop, those are still big. And now I know people who are like almost exclusively like getting their work done on their phones, getting their work done on their tablets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're mm-hmm. not using the PC. They're not using the laptop as much. Now, how does this tie in... To, well, first off, before I get into the mobile apps, how did I know this? Well, the trends, if you just looked at the statistics, which I published in my book, uh, some of these big companies like Gartner, they published trends that were showing that TV was dying, radio was dying, print media was dying. But the only channel that was growing was smartphone adoption. And so it was only a matter of time until more work, more consummation was going to be done on the smartphone. And that's what's happened over the last seven years or so uh, since when I published the book. Now, as far as mobile apps go, um, mobile apps, I don't recommend. And here's why. And when I say I don't recommend, I don't recommend them for small businesses because they are still not proven marketing vehicles. The reason why they are not proven yet is because uh, there was a study that was done, uh, and, I, and I cite this in my book. Mobile apps, uh, or, or the average person, only uses about eight to, eight to nine apps a day. That's it. Eight to nine mobile apps per day. So you guys can probably just think today you know, like which mobile apps do you use? And it's probably like nine of them or so. So right. basically you're competing for digital shelf space. So if you're some small business and you say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to come out with this mobile app. Now all of a sudden you're competing with, I, I can tell you which mobile apps I use today. Facebook, Bank of America, Chase, Gmail. Uh, what's that? Google, Google Sheets. Right. Um, uh, a yeah. few more. So now all of a sudden you're competing against these other mobile apps because nobody has time to go through or, or to use 200 mobile apps in one day. Nobody has time for that. So yeah. that's why it's, it's very pricey. Mobile apps are very, very pricey to develop. And that's why we don't work on, on mobile apps. Um, Gotcha. Yeah, I think I think it's only worthwhile to release a mobile app. If you have an existing customer base that you can convert into app users. So for example, uh, companies that started out as pre mobile businesses, so like Facebook before the Facebook app, I mean, Facebook was huge, just people logging into their account online, or Pandora or uh, even even Spotify. Bloomberg, etc., New York Times, they already had, or Wall Street Journal, they already had subscribers, they already had users. So it was easy to roll out the mobile app. But if you were starting from scratch and you want to start a mobile app business, or you're some small business and you're rolling out a mobile app, it's going to be quite difficult for people to adopt.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and And, and it, the thing is, it's like, then you don't get ranking and you've got a whole other you know, optimization issue to to worry about if people actually finding the app and then you're spending money on that. It's I don't know. I, I've I, I'm also I I agree with you on it. I, I I'm not a huge fan of mobile app. I think they have a place in certain businesses, but yeah, yeah, not not for the small business for sure. Okay, we we've got to take another break here. Uh, we're gonna do that, and uh, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation here. Uh. We'll be back with more DIY for Business. Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, a part of the Best of Business Network and Electric Media. It's Russ and Greg with you. And as Greg mentioned earlier, those five star reviews, uh, they're always helpful. So please do so. Rate the podcast wherever you are. And uh, that actually brings me to my next questions. There's this whole Google My Business thing, which is now, I guess, Google just Google Business. I don't know. They're, they've changed it so many darn times uh, throughout the throughout the uh, life cycle of this product here. But uh, those those Google stars, right? Like Google reviews. Uh, do you does your business help with that? And and how do you find the effectiveness of uh, those star review systems?
2: Yeah, so we absolutely do help with this. It's not just Google, but Yelp, with um, iTunes, podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, you name it. We can we can help with with reviews. This is part of online reputation management. And I have a chapter in my book called "How Online Listings and Reviews Can Affect Your Business," and absolutely, absolutely. You want to have a presence on all of these platforms, number one. So yes, you want to have a presence, just being present there. And number two is you want the good reviews. You absolutely want the the good reviews because people now are making decisions based on reviews. They're making decisions on where to eat. Previously, Mm -hmm. you just kind of drove... You just kind of drove by a place, saw, hey, you know, that sign looks good or that name looks good. And then you decided to eat there. Now there's no more driving around and even looking out your window. It's I'm going to take out Yelp and I'm going to see what has the best reviews. And that's where I'm going to go. And it's not just for eating. It's for products on Amazon. It's for which doctor, you know, which uh, orthopedic surgeon you want to see. It's for which CPA do you want to hire? This is. Huge! This is huge, and I brought up earlier. Look, so many businesses don't even have a website, and this is the next step. After getting a website, you want to be listed on these places. You want to be listed, and you want to encourage your customers to write reviews because it makes a huge difference. And I'm not talking about just me. This is the way. I mean, even when we when I took a trip to overseas a couple of i mean i went all the way to cuba to colombia to costa rica to india and i made i planned my trip the itineraries were completely planned based off of online reviews what i saw on TripAdvisor, what i saw on yelp
3: yeah. and
2: most of the people i was traveling with or or, or other tourists who, who i met same thing So I can't stress this enough. I just can't stress it enough. The restaurants understand it because the restaurants, every restaurant owner knows I need to, it's not just Yelp, but it's also Google, um, maybe even TripAdvisor. But uh, the businesses still don't completely get it yet. They they don't get it. The, The doctor's offices, the lawyer offices, they don't get it. And they're just leaving money on the table by not, making that simple change by, by not, you know, hiring a consultant like me for, for such a low sum because, uh, and, and look, I'm not trying to toot my horn over here, but I'm just, the the point here is this is not an expensive proposition. It's really simple to do if, if you have like a consultant or someone in house who knows what they're doing and it will make a huge, huge business, uh, a huge difference for your business. So I have a two-part
1: question to kind of follow up on that, you know, because you've researched this, is there a threshold of like the number of reviews before it really starts influencing consumer purchasing decision? And the second question is like with, with Google always changing their algorithms, like how do you stay on top of what's important to really move the SEO, you know, needle To make sure that a company's website, uh, you know, stays relevant.
2: Well, the important thing is you want to get on Google lists or Google Business Google listings. They used to call it Google Local Listings. Mm -hmm. Uh, You want to have a presence there because once you, once you get on that platform, which is free of charge. Once you're on there, that's it's Google. They, own, they basically own the internet, right? Most people are using Google as their search engine. So once you get on there, that's going to improve your SEO tremendously. And it's going to link to your website. It's going to link to your social media. That's the central location. Going to your first question, I don't have any research that backs it up. So I'm not sure how many reviews you need. But my answer to your question is simple. As many reviews as possible. number one. <laughs> and yeah. number two is as many five star reviews as possible. So uh, it, it's not like, oh, I have 50 reviews now, so I'm just gonna stop asking my customers to leave reviews. No, you get to 50, well, let's go for a 100. you get to 100, let's go for 500. you get to 500, let's go let's go for five thousand. Just it, it, it's a never ending process, never ending. So the, the more reviews that are five star, the better.
0: Yeah. I've, I've found that too. Just, you know, uh, um, perusing around, like looking at that, that Google, whatever it's called now business, I guess yeah. it is now, right? Is it just Google business now? They've, they've dropped the, my business. I think so. Right? Uh,
2: it used to be my business, but, um, I'm actually not sure what it's called now. Yeah, exactly. That's why
0: do they keep doing that? It's
2: killing me. (laughs) Actually, I do. Okay. Now it's called (laughs) Google business profile. There we go. Google business profile.
0: Okay. Uh, So so, what I've noticed about that in, in, in looking at it, studying it, it seems like you want to fill that out completely, like filling out all the fields. So if you have your own thing, like fill everything out, right? Like that's a big thing. The other thing is adding photos and stuff like that. That seems to be a helpful thing. And then, yes, getting all those reviews. Anything else beyond that 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 you would suggest for businesses?
2: Well, it's like you said. Okay, so first off, Google's changing this stuff like every two to three years. So um, it's what you said. Just fill it all out because what was there five years ago, seven years ago, is different from what was there four years ago and which is different from what you see today. So just fill everything out. If it says post pictures, post the pictures. If it says yeah. lay out all your services, put all your services there. If it says, you know, what are your latest updates? But just don't leave anything blank. Fill it all out. If you get emails from them asking you to update anything, update it. So that, I feel that, like that's
0: recency important. too is, is a bit of yeah. a factor. I, I, I feel like uh, the, making updates on a regular basis is a great mm-hmm. thing for that as well.
2: Mm-hmm absolutely
0: absolutely
1: so something near and dear to Resonine's heart is uh podcasting and one of the services that you offer is podcast production and monetization so for the you know we have a lot of podcasters out there that listen to our show that are asking us questions all the time and What advice would you give, you know, majority of podcasters out there don't make any money, right? (laughs) Or they're making very little money. What's the secret to monetizing podcasts?
2: Well, the secret to monetizing podcasts is no different than the secret to just making money online. And that is number one, you've got to build your audience. Number two is you have to capture your traffic. Number three is... How do you want to monetize? Do you want to be a loss leader, meaning you you sell another product or service or a product or a service to your audience? Do you want to take advertising revenue? Um, I found that that selling something to your audience, just a subtle sell, uh, is a lot more effective than hoping that you're going to get some big advertiser who's going to pay you a lot of money. So, mm. so the way that you want to... The, I just brought up two ways to monetize. Number one is selling an existing product or service. So that's like if you're a a lawyer, for example, let's say you're like a real estate attorney, and you have a real estate, there actually is a podcast called Real Estate Law. So the podcast is all about the legal side of real estate. Well, those hosts are selling their legal services to the audience and i'm sure they do quite well because of that and they're the only podcast in the real estate law space <laughs> so they're kind of that go-to thought leader within that niche so i talk i wrote another book called podcastnomics and that goes into the nitty-gritty of podcasting and it even and it also lays out how you know that you have a good idea for a podcast and part of that good idea is are you in a micro niche, a, a, a niche where you can go to Apple Podcasts, type in keywords, and there's not much there? So, for example, mm-hmm. let's say you're interested, you're you're an expert on, on say a, pickleball. Pickleball, that's a good <laughs> yeah. one. That's a good one. So you're you're a, you're one of the experts on pickleball, and you know all the professional teams and players, and you play yourself. So that sounds like a great podcast idea. And you go to your Apple Podcast app or Google Podcasts, type in pickleball and see if any podcasts come up. And if nothing comes up, now there's an opportunity to start something and to become right. that leader in pickleball.
0: Okay, see I turned it all around right to the beginning of the show, Greg, yeah. with your, your, your soreness of your pickleball. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, so uh, if if people want to reach out to you, they, they want to get a hold of you, they want to utilize your services, how do they do so? I bet Chris you there's media a call marketing. to action on your website.
2: Krishmediamarketing.com, <laughs> K-R-I-S-H, media marketing.com. That's our digital marketing agency. And I'd love to share a free copy of my book, 50 Shades of Marketing, with your business into shape and dominate your competition. Uh, would love to share a copy of that book as well as my book, Podcast Podcastonomics. Since we've talked about both of these books, I uh, would love to provide free copies. So if you contact me through Krish Media and Marketing, through that website, or my personal website, nourishvisa.com, just, just contact me it, uh, through those pages. You'll see a contact tab. So you just click it, and it'll bring up my email address and also my social media. So you can contact me through through those, and I'd be glad to send you a copy of whatever book of your choosing.
0: Awesome! Well, ah, then, thank for you for it. offering that. Yeah, that's awesome, and and thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you. It's been great. Have a great night. Thank
0: and thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing. DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network and Electrocast Media. The subjects that we cover on the podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow. All of the information provided is opinion-based and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your company to succeed and we are happy to take your questions. We did a whole episode on that a, a while ago now. We got to do another one because that's, that's always fun. So we would love to hear your questions and suggestions for future episodes. If you've got recommendations or anything like that, head over to our website. DIY for business podcast.com the link of course is in the podcast description we thank you again for listening for reviewing and for subscribing to DIY for business where you are not alone
3: are you ready to write are you ready to become a published writer then tune in and take notes because each week on simply write with paulie we cover writing craft the ins and outs of running a writing business and we'll also hear from some big name authors about how they get their work done and published so that we can learn to do it too. Join us each week right here on the Creators Network of ElectroCast for Simply Write with Paulie. Hello, I'm Polly Campbell, the host of Polly Campbell's Simply Said, the weekly podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And let me tell you what, we tap into the great minds of authors, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and so much more so that we can learn how to do the work that matters and create the lives we want to live. Join us right here on Polly Campbell's Simply Said on the best business network of ElectroCast. ElectroCast.